Welcome to this episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor, Dr. Tommy Metter, will be joining the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world, our hope is that in these few minutes, we'll help you to stop and reflect on your relationship with Jesus as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. This week, we want to look at what you must believe to be a follower of Jesus. You know, Pastor, I used to think that if I just did enough good stuff, that somehow that counted toward my salvation. You know, believe in Jesus and do good stuff. And I really thought that was the gospel. And my concern is that people uh, today have their own view of what kind of belief it takes to get to heaven. Uh, How do we work all that out, Pastor Tommy? Well, I think we go to the Scripture and see what Scripture has to say to us about what we believe in order to be followers of Jesus. And reality is this is a huge topic, right? Because we are living in a culture where people believe what they want to believe. And if I tell you what I believe and you don't like what I tell you, well, who am I to tell you what to believe? Because after all, I can just... Uh, believe whatever I want to believe, right? And so we live in a very pluralistic culture, and to really come down to a place where we say this is what Scripture teaches about salvation and how we obtain salvation, I think is is a very important conversation. And so to help us to have this conversation, Trey, we're bringing in um, our heavy hitter this 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 show, aren't we? Cleanup hitter. We are bringing in the big guns. We're bringing in Smart Boy. <laughs> We're bringing in Smart Boy. Are you ready for Smart Boy to join us? Yeah. Logan Cato's here, our, our pastor, a discipleship pastor, missions pastor, and it's exciting to have him with us and uh, help us uh, think this thing through as well. So Logan is extremely uh, uh, helpful for us here at Northwood. He leads our discipleship and missions ministry, and he is smart. Logan, just how smart are you? Not that smart. <laughs> Talking me up a little bit too much there. Logan uh, uh, is finishing up a PhD at Southeastern Seminary, and he is uh, a very smart guy, and he thinks deeply through these issues, and I think it's helpful to have him join us for the conversation as we talk about just the truths that we need to believe in order to be followers of Jesus. And 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 the reason why we're talking about this is because we, here at Northwood, we're studying through on Sunday mornings the book of Acts, and book of Acts is just a powerful book where you have so many people coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and trade. I don't know if you've noticed this yet as we've worked through Acts, but in Acts, there are a lot of sermons. Have you noticed that? many sermons in the book of Acts. And I, I think until you just kind of break them out and understand, and they're all based around what we want to talk about. This right, morning. right, right. So you have uh, Peter, you have Stephen uh, talking often, Paul, about the gospel and calling people to respond to the gospel. And so you have, you know, these sermons and then repent, repent and be baptized. Mm-hmm. You go back to Mark chapter one, verse 15, when, when Jesus is baptized, he says, repent and believe the gospel. And so it begs the question, right? What exactly are we supposed to believe about Jesus? What exactly are we supposed to believe? In fact, when you get to the end of the Gospel of John, in John chapter 20, in verses 31 and 32, John says, the reason why I wrote this Gospel is so that you might believe. Believe, yes. Well, believe what? And so, so that's really the question we want to answer today. What is it that we are supposed to believe about Jesus, about the Gospel, uh, that that leads us to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Makes sense? It makes sense. And as a, as a young believer, the way that I shared the gospel ties directly into this because we use this thing called the Romans Road. Mm. 
and uh, Romans 10, 9, and 10, and Romans 10, 13, I kind of finished up with every single time. So in the middle of me sharing the gospel with people, I got a huge understanding of what the gospel was all about, you know, and it really kind of helped me understand and think that thing through. Yeah, and Romans 10, 9 it really is a verse that for those of us who are part of the church on a regular basis, we've probably heard this verse quite a bit. Romans 10, 9, Paul says, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's a very simple verse. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. Very simple verse, but that verse is loaded. And so really what we want to do is take that verse today and, and break out the implications of that verse and again ask the question, what is it? What is it that we must believe about Jesus in order to be a follower of Jesus, in order to be saved? Exactly. And I think that that's, that's where we have to be. So uh, it's, it, it is so important that we get it right. So what I want to look at today, if we could, is talking about four uh, things, four truths, I guess the best way to say it, that we've got to believe. Uh, we want to talk about your sin has condemned us. Uh, the only way to be restored to God is through the death and resurrection, and Jesus' death and resurrection is the gift of God's grace. And then finally, uh, the how faith and repentance works into that. So uh, let's get started, uh, first of all, with that your sin has eternally condemned you before God. So Logan, help us out. How would you define sin? I like defining sin as anything that misses the mark of God's glory. And so really taking that term, missing the mark, and if you think about like a dartboard, um, the center is right where we want to be, and anything that deviates away from that is missing the mark. And so it doesn't matter how close or how far away you miss, any miss counts as sin and anything that's contrary to the glory of God. So, Trey, when you are talking to someone about sin, what are you trying to help them to understand about sin and their own sin? Well, the, the one, number one thing is they number they need to recognize what sin is. And so if they don't understand this missing the mark, and it has to be God's mark. You know, I think so many times people want to say, well, this is my idea of sin. And I've never done, I've never, I've never murdered anybody. I've never committed adultery. I've, I've been faithful to my wife. So, you know, I'm all right. Yeah. And they don't understand this idea, what you said, uh, Logan, about missing the mark. So I guess we need to get people to understand what that missing the mark is if we're going to get them to understand what real belief is as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. So this is huge, right? Because Scripture tells us very clearly, Romans 3.23, a verse that we all know well, that that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every single person on the face of the planet has sinned. Now, we could take a lot of time in this episode, and we could go back and talk about the fall of Adam and Eve and how all that uh, brought sin into the world. But the reality is what we need to help people understand and what we need to understand is that that we are sinners. We are eternally condemned before God, eternally condemned. And so we still believe, right? We still believe Orthodox Christian teaching mm. that there really is a place of punishment mm -hmm. for those who rebelled against God. And everyone has rebelled against God. Even that person that says, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I do a lot of good things. It doesn't matter, right? If you've sinned, and this is the hard thing, I think, for us to understand just in our, our minds, if you've sinned one time, you're condemned. You know, I, I, th I think so often it's, it's that guy across the street that we is a good guy to us. He's our great neighbor. He takes care of us. And we just somehow want to think that they're somehow going to get to heaven, you know, that, or somebody that's in war and they've given their lives for somebody that because they've done that, that somehow that's going to get them into heaven. And, um, you know, we've got to get beyond that because we're all on an elevator that goes straight to hell yeah, when we're born. Yeah. And, um, 
Yikes. I know yeah. some of you are saying that right now, but that's the fact. That's yeah. the fact. So, Logan, why do you think it is we have a, such a difficult time understanding the depths of our sinful nature, that even one sin is enough to condemn us to hell? Yeah, I mean, I think naturally we're predispositioned to think higher of ourselves than we ought. Um, it's We compare ourselves to others within whether it's the culture, family members, and we say, well, I'm not as bad as that individual. Mm-hmm. Um but we don't like to put ourselves in the mirror of what the scriptures say about the human condition. And we don't like to reflect on the standard and the standard is Christ Jesus. Um, and so when, when we do that, when we compare ourselves to others who are also sinners, instead of comparing ourselves to the one who is sinless, uh, I think we're prone to not think our sins that bad. You know, I think we ridicule what would Jesus do, but truly we got to go back and look at what Jesus did. Mm. And then it kind of gives us an idea what perfection is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anybody that would say that they attained to the life of Jesus. Yeah, so when we look in the mirror and see the perfection of Jesus and then look at ourselves, it becomes very clear and very obvious that we're sinners mm-hmm. and, and that there is nothing that we can do uh, to gain eternal life before God because of what we've done. In fact, Ephesians 2 speaks so clearly to this, right? Ephesians 2 verse 1 says, You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were dead in trespasses and sins. And so this idea, right, that, that man, because of my sin, I am dead. There's nothing good in me uh, that would desire a relationship with Jesus Christ because of my sinfulness. It has made me spiritually dead, and there's a miracle that must take place in my life if I am going to have a relationship with Jesus. Because left to my own accord, my own devices, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I'm a spiritually dead person because of my sin. Even if I don't think I'm a big sinner, I'm just a little sinner, it doesn't matter. Sin is sin. And, and any sin condemns us before a holy God and condemns us us eternally before a holy God. Even sin that we don't think so bad. Right. Even right. sin. You know, the gospel, and I think you said this, is either good news or bad news. And what we've been talking about is the bad news, but there is good news. Right. And there is restoration available. And that, I think, leads us to point two, that the only way to be restored to God is through Jesus' death and resurrection. Mm. So, yeah, the bad news is that we are all sinners. We are all condemned to an eternity apart from God. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, that what we earn for our sin, what we're due because of our sin is death. Mm -hmm. But Romans 6.23 also says there's a gift for us, but the gift of God is eternal life, eternal life with him. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. And so, so when we think about the Christian faith, it is absolutely exclusive. And what I mean by that is we think about passages like John 14, 6, where Jesus said very explicitly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's exclusive, right? In other words, what we believe, our conviction is, I mean, if you profess any other faith other than Jesus Christ, you're not in the kingdom, correct? That's exactly right. Because Jesus made an exclusive claim. I am the way, not Muhammad, right? Uh, Not Hinduism, not Buddhism, not whatever other ism. Jesus made a very exclusive claim. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think that's what drives missions, wouldn't you say? I mean, that's what drives our mission, why we do what we do. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we we look around the world, and this I think this is why this question is really so important. When we start going on mission, especially internationally, um, and as we're communicating the gospel to others, from other faith backgrounds and other religions. And we need to be very clear um, about what our convictions are as Christians um, on the mission field and as we're sharing the gospel, because you're right, it is an exclusive claim. 
Um, and either Jesus was right or he was wrong. Yeah. And then yeah. there's yeah. no yeah. in between. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an exclusive claim, but at the same time, and this is what drives us in missions and drives us to share the gospel, right? That while it's an exclusive claim, it's also very inclusive mm-hmm. because anyone, anyone, right? We, we saw that over Romans 10, 9, right? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it's exclusive. There's only one way, but that, that one way is very inclusive in the sense that anyone can embrace this one way. No matter your background, no matter what religion you came from, no matter who you are, you can embrace the good news of the gospel that Jesus died and rose again for you. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And the way to the Father is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But, the, but now that doesn't, that precludes, we're not talking about universalism here. I mean, don't you think we're talking no, 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 about people not. have to, in other words, it's not that uh, Jesus' work of course, is good enough for everyone to be saved, yeah. obviously. But not everyone's just uh, saved just because Jesus died for the sin of the world. Right. We're so going to get to that. Okay. We're going to get to that, right? So so I am the way, the truth, and the life. The way we come to the Father is through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Why is the death of Jesus so significant, Logan? Because as Jesus goes to the cross, right, so he lives the life that we couldn't live. He lived a perfect life, blameless before the law. Um, and he goes to the cross and he dies the death that we deserve. Um, and as his perfect blood is shed uh, for, for sin that he did not commit, he took on our sin, he took on our shame, he took on the punishment that we deserve at the cross, um, and he made atonement for our sin or, or made um, the sacrifice necessary for our sin to be forgiven. Mm, by God. Mm, mm. And so if you think about the Old Testament in particular, in the Old Testament there is a sacrificial system and people would bring their sacrifices to the temple to be sacrificed on an altar uh, to atone for their sins. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4 says that the blood of bulls and goats can never forgive us of our sins. Only Jesus could do that. Jesus was the man that we needed. He was fully human. He was one of us, and we needed one of us who would go to a cross and die for us. Having lived that perfect Having lived that perfect sinless life. He was fully man, and at the same time, we believe he was also fully God because there was not a man who could live a perfect life Mm -hmm. because every person on the face of the planet is born into sin, and every person on the face of the planet freely chooses to sin. And so we needed someone who would do what we could not do. And that's what Jesus did. He did what we could not do. He was fully man who did what we could not do. And the way he was able to do that was because he was more than fully man. He was also at the same time, fully God. Mm -hmm. And his resurrection proves that a man can't rise from the dead, but one who is fully man and fully God is certainly able to rise from the dead and is certainly able to defeat our greatest enemy, sin and death. And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. We believe that. And he makes a way for us to be right with God through his death and resurrection. So if we were to explain to someone the death and resurrection of Jesus, and they say, well, I believe, I believe that Jesus, man, he died. That was a great sacrifice of love. And that, that sounds really good. And, and I, I want to follow someone like that who, who's willing to make that kind of sacrifice of love. But I can't buy the fact that he's fully God. We would say what to that person? Yeah, that's a good, good question for our theologian there. What would we do? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Um, there is a hip-hop artist he's a christian his name's shot so every 
theologian always leads with a statement there is a hip hop artist. <laughs> there is a hip hop artist. His name is Shylin. He is he's a Christian and he actually has several albums out that he really is just explaining systematic theology um, through his music. And he has a song that addresses this very thing. Um, here's your $5 theological word for the day, but we're talking about the hypostatic union. Mm -hmm. um, you can impress someone with that. It's how is it that Jesus is 100% man and 100% God? Um, and in the song, he says that only a human could substitute for human lives, but only God could take the wrath of God and survive. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that's a... That's obviously not the whole entire uh, doctrine of, of the two natures of Christ, but um, a human had to be the one to substitute for us if we were going to have life. Um, but only God could to take the, the wrath of God and survive that. So, um, so both, I mean, you have to embrace both. Then you, he has to be fully God. He has to be fully man. Absolutely. To be a follower, this is one of those fundamental beliefs that you have to hold as a Christian. So if we don't believe that, what does that mean? That believes you not. That means you are not a follower of Jesus because you have to believe this basic tenet of the Christian faith. You have to believe that your sin separates you from God, and you have to believe that there was a sacrifice made for you, and that sacrifice was made by the one who is both fully man and fully God. We can't look at Jesus and say, well, he was just a good teacher, and because he was a good teacher and a loving man, he went to a cross and died a sacrificial death as a good example for us, right? Mm-hmm. No, he did it because he was God who was taking our place on a cross, taking the punishment that we deserve, and then rising again from the dead, proving that he was God and providing a way for us to experience complete forgiveness of sins and ultimately resurrection life, life ourselves, right? So it's, yeah, and it's not just believing this guy named Jesus, you know, cool Jesus that points at you and stuff like that. I mean, this is, this is what you believe about Jesus as well. Would you, you know, how, how do we... When somebody's a new believer, how does that happen? Yeah, yeah you understand. Yeah. I'm not trying to be silly here, but 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 they're a new believer. Did they? How much of this do they actually have? Yeah, a that's, a, that's a great of? question, right? And so so, and, and Logan, help me out because I think when we have this conversation with people who are far from Jesus, we need to be very clear in what we share with them. So I would say for someone to come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, we don't have to when we explain the gospel. Then we don't have to say, okay, right now. You need to understand that Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary. He was virgin born. That is an essential doctrine of the faith, correct? Yes, yes it is. We believe that Jesus was virgin born, right? But but when we're sharing the gospel, that's not the thing we lead with, right? We lead with the reality that you are a sinner separated from God, mm -hmm. and you need to believe that Jesus is the God-man who came and lived and died for you. And so when I'm sharing the gospel, what I'm trying to get to is when I'm sharing the gospel, I might not talk about some of these things that I believe are core doctrines, the virgin birth or, you know, the return of Christ, whatever the case may be. But I am going to talk about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. Would you agree with that, Logan? What would you say? Absolutely. Um, and that's where, hey, listen, I've never once used the term hypostatic union in a gospel conversation <laughs> and never will yeah. I ever do that because that's unhelpful. Um, but I will make the point that Jesus Christ was fully God and he was a human who died in our place and I can leave it at that. Right. Um, but I want to, I want to clearly communicate that. And I think what happens is the longer that we're followers of Christ, the more we learn about the faith, the more kind of 
really kind of Christian language mm-hmm. we start using. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to sometimes, I think, as we're having gospel conversations, we want to just download our DNA of our theological background onto someone mm-hmm. who doesn't have any concept mm-hmm. or have, have any categories for the terms that we use. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think this conversation is helpful because it, it allows us to really get down to what are the core things someone has to know um, in order to say, hey, now I was I was once dead in my sins, and now I'm alive in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. To, to say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ now, and you don't have to use these big theological terms to make that happen at all. Yeah, and that's the must believe part about this, isn't it? You know, what do we what do we have to believe to be a follower? Right. And of so Jesus? we're saying right now, for someone to enter into a relationship with Jesus that saves him, is they have to believe that they're a sinner who is condemned because of their sin. But there's a way for them through the one who is the God-man, the perfect one who lived the life they could not live, who died in their place and rose again. That's what we're saying, that someone has to believe in order to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And then that leads us directly to the death and resurrection of Jesus, and that that, that is a gift of God's grace for, for us. And I think if we don't understand this gift of God's grace, that's also an issue. Exactly, right? So what is grace? How would you define grace? I mean, we've always said uh, God's righteousness at Christ's expense, um, you know, but grace is getting uh, what we don't deserve. Right, right, right. And the the basic form of it, uh, and amazing grace points us to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the song. Logan, how would you um, fill out that definition if you you were to fill it out more? What, What do you think, grace? Yeah, I would say that grace is receiving a gift or a reward or something that, that you don't deserve. So you were undeserving of that. You receive more than you could have ever imagined. And I think what's helpful to think about mercy is not receiving punishment that mm-hmm. you deserve. Mm. So we're deserving of punishment. God shows us mercy when he doesn't give us that in Christ. Um, he shows us grace in that we receive so much more than we could ever imagine yeah. in Christ Jesus. Yeah, because sometimes in, in Christian circles, we have a tendency to use the words grace and mercy uh, kind of as synonyms, right? But there is a distinction between grace and mercy. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, right? Mm-hmm. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. Grace is, but there's a gift for you, eternal life. It is a gift. And so grace is God giving us what we do not deserve, while mercy is God withholding from us what we do deserve. What we do deserve is punishment, but in his mercy, he withholds that punishment from us, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have these two terms that that show us a lot about the character of God, that he is gracious and that he is merciful. And what makes the Christian faith so distinctive and so unique from every other religion in the world is that we, within the Christian faith, based on what scripture teaches us, say, hey, it's not about what you do, it's about what has been done for you. That mm-hmm. this this gift of salvation, it is in fact that. It is a gift. It is all God. God in his grace has given you a gift in Jesus Christ that you do not deserve. He's given you a new start because on the cross, your sins were taken care of. And in the resurrection, you've been given the assurance of a new life and a resurrected life someday, right? And so we're saying that this is all a gift of God's grace. And if you're gonna be a follower of Jesus, you gotta believe that. You gotta believe there ain't nothing you can do to earn salvation. It's nothing about your works and and your uh, attempts at righteousness. It's all about what God has done for you. So when we talk to someone that doesn't know the Lord, we're saying Jesus, uh, we're basically explaining to them how how this is a gift of grace, that this is a gift that we don't deserve, 
and that God gives it to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so my how I started out this conversation was my belief that if I wanted to do a bunch of good stuff, mm-hmm. so we're, we're, I have to ask the question: it, it was all my good stuff worthless before God, or did it did it count for anything? Mm, good question. What did it count for? Yeah, works. My works. It, it, are my works good for anything? You know, if pre-salvation, yeah. how does that work with God? Yeah. yeah, your works aren't good for anything, are they? No. I, I don't think they were now yeah. that I look back. I realize yeah. now all this good stuff I thought I was doing. If your works are your attempt to make yourself right before God, then they aren't good for anything mm-hmm. because your salvation is not based on your work. And, and helping people understand, I think in gospel conversations, if, if that's your worldview, if your worldview is, okay, in order to please God, in order to have a relationship with God, I have to do this, this, and this. I have to perform these rituals. I have to attend church this many times. I have to help this many people. When do you know that you've done enough? When do you know that you've done enough good works to merit the favor of God? I, I personally believe that I think people that believe in good work salvation, that becomes not just a, a uh, how good is that? That actually is a barrier. Right. Because a barrier. they start to say, you know, well, oh, no, no, yeah. no, I've done all these good things. Yeah, and know? if it's works-based salvation, then you certainly don't need a Savior because you see yourself as your Savior. Mm-hmm. I save myself through what I do, mm-hmm. right? Right. What do you think, Logan? Yeah, that's, and I think if we start with sin and brokenness and communicate that very clearly, it, it helps us when we get to this works That's, conversation. Exactly. Because, exactly. But if, if we don't start there, um, if we don't start with sin, then I think the, the works conversation is a lot more difficult. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So it, it, it we've been talking a lot about belief and we're going to talk about faith, uh, talking about the faith that's necessary, but we need to combine that faith, I think with repentance as we respond to the yeah. grace of God. So as we understand that our sin separates us from God and we need a Savior, and our Savior is Jesus who died and rose again for us, and as we understand that that death and resurrection of Jesus for our salvation is a gift that we don't earn but a gift given to us, then the natural response is faith and repentance, mm-hmm. right? Believe so, and repent. Believe that was said and over and again, over and again in in the book of Acts. Right. Believe, and, believe repent. and repent. So we're believing these things we just talked about, right? Mm-hmm. In order to be a follower of Jesus, you have to believe these things we've talked about. Believe those things. What does it mean then to have faith? What does it mean to believe? Yeah, I mean, faith is as James has said, as we we've looked at in in previous sermons and conversations. Faith is shown by works. Um, again, we have to be very clear about works do not save you. Uh, that the work of Christ is what is what saves us. Um, but faith, true faith, is it results in works and it results in um, living out the life that that Christ has commanded us with. Um, living as believers in community, um, showing the fruits of the spirit. Those those should be evidence. So of, heart of faith. heart change is evidenced by life change. Yeah. Is that what we're looking yeah, at? Yeah, I think so. And so if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I'm gonna share these truths that we've talked about on this episode and I'm gonna get to that person and I'm gonna say to that person, Hey, do you believe these things? Mm-hmm. And what belief is, is you've got to trust. You've got to trust that that Jesus is who he said he is, and he did what he did for you. You've got to trust that Jesus is your only source of salvation. And if you believe that, right, what, what Paul says in Romans 10, 9, uh, confess that Jesus is Lord. He is the Lord of your life, which means you turn 
from being the Lord of your own life because up to this point, that's what you've been doing. You've been mm-hmm. living life your way. You've been doing your thing. That's what rebellion against God is. Rebellion against God is saying, I want my will to be done, not your will. Repentance is saying, no longer. I am turning from sin. I'm turning from rebellion. I am placing all of my trust in Jesus. So to repent is to turn from that lifestyle that says no to God and yes to me and turning to a lifestyle that says, God, you're my Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm not going to follow you perfectly. I'm just beginning to learn what that means. But to, to the best of my ability, I'm putting my life in your hands and whatever you want from me, that's what I want. You're my Lord. Well, Logan, you want to kind of close us, not close us out, but close us out on this part of it. And uh, then I'm going to go over to Pastor Tommy to close us out for the podcast today. Yeah, when we talk about this issue of repentance, I would say that by and large, if you communicate the first three points well, many people would say, yes, I agree with that. Or I, I like that, or at least parts of it, they by and large would probably, you know, if you communicate it clearly, agree with that. But it's, it's that point where mm-hmm. we say, Okay, now it's time to actually follow Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and Jesus said that it's going to be difficult. Yeah. Right? He he tells his disciples this: um, pick up your cross and follow me. Mm. And we really need to be clear when we communicate the gospel about that. Exactly. And I was going to say that, Logan. I think uh, we struggle with this in gospel conversations. We struggle to bring people to a point of repentance. We might say something like, do you believe all that? Yeah, well, that that, that sounds good to me. But <laughs> but getting to the point where we say, okay, if you believe this is true, this is what must happen in your life right now. You've got to turn. You've got to turn from sin, confess Christ as Lord, and you have to begin living for him. Faith. Faith is trusting Jesus. Faith is trusting Jesus in such a way that you live for him and your daily decisions and in your daily life. And so repent, turn from that old way of living, turn from sin and turn to Jesus. And so really calling people to repentance. I mean, that's what you see over and over in the gospels. And that's what you certainly see in the book of Acts, that Peter, Paul, Stephen, they they present these wonderful gospel messages. People say, what do we do? And they say, repent, turn turn to Jesus. And I hope that today this has been helpful for you as you think about what you must believe in order to be a follower of Jesus, but also what you must share as you are about your daily life and you have opportunities to share the gospel. And we want to we want to see people understand the truth of scripture and the truth about Jesus and how they're to respond to him. So I know that today has been a little more theological than we've done in the past, but I hope it's been helpful for you. And I hope that uh, you will take this content and use it in your daily life. And if you like what you hear, continue to uh, get the word out about this podcast. Subscribe. If you have not subscribed, you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Leave us a review or rating. That really helps us get the word out. And we look forward to next week's episode where we will continue to help you connect faith to life.